Welcome to What's Her Face Podcast. I am Leslie. And I am Carly Scott. Um, so this podcast was born out of the desire to have conversations with the amazing females that we both know in this community of Omaha. To make them more approachable that way, one day when you see them at an event, you can bring this up and have a starting conversation piece and go from there. Yeah, and to explore the multifaceted lives that these women lead and to hopefully one day really put Omaha on the map as far as uh, the talent that we have to offer. All right, for our first episode, we are interviewing the talented Arusa Jawed, development director at the Kaneko. Her pronouns are she, her, and hers. She is a first-generation immigrant. Arusa moved to Indiana from Karachi, Pakistan at the age of five years old with her parents. A lifetime Hoosier, she now finds herself thriving in the Dundee community of Omaha with her daughter Layla and her son Oliver. A writer by avocation, she has served on the board of Indiana Writers Center since 2013. Her poetry has been published in Hoosier Lit Magazine, and she is currently working on her first manuscript. Her writing focuses on themes of diaspora and the conflicting parallel feelings of both belonging and not belonging in Midwest America. Arusa's favorite things are a bold red lipstick, this I know to be true, the click-clack sound of heels to pavement, and the weight of a thick new fiction novel. She aspires to help elevate Omaha through creativity and collaboration. All right, well, we would like to welcome Rusa Jawed to What's Her Face. Hi, thanks Hello. for having me. Thank you for being here. Happy birthday. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh, goodness, this is um, really a delight because I feel like over the past few months, I've been getting to know you better, but Leslie, you've known her for a number of years. How did you two meet? How did we meet? We met um, when I crashed a birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Um, at, we were both on the um, board of Friends of um, Planned Parenthood. Correct. And we actually never, uh, we may have never gone to the same meeting at the same time. <laughs> so we were supposed to have met each other, but we didn't. Right. And then um, Tessa Weedberg had um, a birthday party and, and we... Was we that the one that we crossed? Yes, we yeah. both attended. <laughs> yeah, so we, that's when we met and just hit it off, and I just love you. So. And I love you. Yeah. Falls into line with your guys' current personalities yeah. and the things that we get into <laughs> pre-coronavirus days. I know uh, another common thread between all of us is we're also all firstborns, which I find very interesting because you, I don't know, I feel like you can see the inner personalities with the way that we talk and the way that we carry ourselves. Firstborns are special. Oh, oh, oh! So we're all firstborns. All four here. of us are firstborns. I love um, that. Here's to us. We, <laughs> we, we did it. We survived. We're, we're surviving. Our poor siblings, though. Oh, shut up! They're fine. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> we I did feel everything for them. Exactly. I think poor us. Yeah. You think poor us? See, that's so oh, interesting because yeah. I mean, you have children, Rusa. How do you feel like you parented your firstborn in relation oh, to how you were oh, treated? That poor kid. <laughs> oh, the poor kid. You know, like, I had her really young. I was 19 when I had let... I was, had just turned 20 when I had her. And um, I treated her like... First, I treated her like she was a doll. And then <laughs> I treated her like she was my 
pet. <laughs> and then I treated her like she was my friend. And um, honestly, my, my mom and my two sisters really um, raised her. I was too young to have had her and, she, you know, poor kid. But um, first kids are experiments, you know, like we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Parents don't know what we're doing. No. And, and especially with the first one. And you just kind of like let them, you either treat them like they're already adults or you treat them like do your own thing. You got this. So... I, th I think that's how my parents treated me was that I was an adult. I was at their mm -hmm. level, and they talked to me like I was an adult, and they gave me tasks like I was an adult. They, I was doing my dad's tax returns by the time I was 14. You were not. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, for me, I also have that added, like I'm an immigrant. So um, my parents were immigrants, and I was five years old when we moved here. And that adds an entire level of like first child plus first person in the family who really speaks English plus a whole layer you know, of responsibility of just kind of built in with being born yeah but you know I mean I think that you all you both also have that you know like that responsibility of being like that first and kind of the I don't, I don't want to say no at all but <laughs> we do know everything well it is interesting I have a 21 year old sister and I would say we're pretty close now we have not always been it's been a lot of work between the two of us um, but it has been interesting to see her kind of shape her way through her life because when I was her age, I just, I cringe every year she turns older or she gets older. It's just so interesting because when she was 16, I was doing things at 16 that I would never want her to be around. And so I always wonder, what is Sid doing now? And I find that just to be kind of a, ooh, <laughs> very interesting. What about you, Leslie? your siblings are great and cool and funky. Has it always been that way? Oh, they are great. No, we weren't <laughs> always close. Um, but we have gotten so over the years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really actually don't have a lot to say on that, I suppose. Um, and I would really actually like to go back to what you said with Layla um, in raising her and having her young and saying that you're parents and your sisters help raise her? Because yeah. I know that you've mentioned before that you felt like you helped raise your siblings. Oh. So that's, that's an interesting, interesting dynamic, that right? Is it, yeah, I haven't thought of it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was a lot older than, than my very next sibling. I was uh, five years older than, than Nadia. And I'm uh, seven years older than um, my sister who lives here in Omaha. Her name is Sophia. Um, so they and they were just they they were these like little kids and I was already a teenager and they were always getting into my business but um and then I we ha we had a, a younger brother who was born when I was eighteen so he's a lot younger than me and really just you know I think that because I was because I was older because I was doing everything first and like way first you know like I was in high school when they were in still in early middle school and elementary it just makes it so that that first person who has all the experiences is becomes the becomes the one you know who who know, who does everything first makes all the mistakes first and you also have this person who is kind of like your your um, the one who like lies for you <laughs> and like hides things from your parents for you that kind of person so and I didn't we we all didn't have that person no. so we had to learn how to be really we had to learn how to be liars really my grandparents Honestly. really helped me out with that one. They were really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> just making sure that uh, anything I really needed, they would always just give me a nudge and yeah. a wink to see what was going on. 
that, saved that's me a, a lot in the early first, days. First, first child thing is that we don't have anybody covering for us, you know, like not really. Oh, you're right. I have never thought about yeah. that. So yeah, my my sisters and my mom really like took care of Layla um, early on. I was still in college, and I was kind of like this. I was still a kid. I didn't have my brain wasn't fully developed, and there were times when I would like leave her at my mom's house um, for like supposed to be for like overnight, and then I'd go to Chicago <laughs> for the weekend, and my mom would be like, "Are you <laughs> are you gonna come back and get your kid?" But she was so loved, you know. Like they just she was a doll, and they loved they loved having her and. And it was, it was, I'm, I'm really lucky that, that I had them to help. And yeah. How do you see her being a sibling to your youngest, Oliver? Oh my God. They are just, they're really good friends. You know, they've always been really good friends and he kind of takes care of her and she takes care of him and, um, they're a good match. They have a, a big age gap between them two, 12 years. So, um, you know, it was at one point I had a high schooler and a, and a kindergartner and that was, how do you balance that? Were you? It's. It's. I'm. I kind of love it because you know I permanently have uh, had a babysitter forever, <laughs> but also just. I mean, yeah, it was very different um, issues and problems and and good things too. But it was. It was a. It was. It was a good way to do it. I think I recommend it. Do you have any funny moments or stories um, you can tell us about those Oliver days? used to. He was when we were first potty training him. He would take his. Um, dirty poop diapers <laughs> out of the garbage and go back upstairs to Layla's room and throw the diaper at her and run away laughing. And she still loves him. I don't know <laughs> if I would be able to love that. I think him. it would take me a number of yeah. years until that child had proven that he would no longer yeah. throw dirty poop diapers at me. She hasn't forgotten, but she still <laughs> loves him. She's a strong woman already, I can tell. That's and incredible. Layla lives with me, so um, even you know, even at twenty three, she lives with me, and that's really great. I, it's like having—I don't know—I I would be so much more lonelier if I didn't have her. I, both of them, but especially her. So I'm lucky. Yeah. Do you know when she has plans to move out? Do you know what it's like to be never. an empty nester? <laughs> never. She's never going to move out. She's going to live with me forever. That's a great plan, yeah. especially mm-hmm. during these fun pandemic times. Mm-hmm. You've kind of got her on lock now yeah, no no it, i have a feeling when she does move she's gonna move really far away oh, no. so i'm just gonna try to keep her as long as i can make kansas city or minneapolis sound really she, cool to her and i think she'll be fine at least yeah. she'll be within three seven hours that's not the worst that's still a good day drive yeah um so speaking of different cities and moving far away you moved to omaha from indianapolis uh, t- oh. Almost two years ago. Okay. I, it feels like I've been here for a long time. Does it? Um, it really does. It feels like I've been here for years and years. Um, Omaha's really like swallowed me up. How you did know? you choose Omaha? Um, so my sister has lived here um, for I think eight years now. She um, is a professor at UNO, and um, every time I visited her for like New Year's Eve or for you know an event or birthdays or anything, I just really loved it here. Um, I saw some really good shows at the Slowdown each time I was here, and um, the restaurants are great. People are really fun, so I really liked it. Um, Do you have that going for us? Just a great social scene. It is. Overall. And everyone, really? everyone's very connected, and, you know, I, I, I inherited this entire, like, giant group of friends from her, so. Is that how you were able to immerse yourself first into the community? Was it through Sophia? Did that help quite um, a bit? It, it, she really did. She, you know, she, she was really smart about it. She, the... 
second day that I moved here, it was I hadn't even unpacked yet. All my stuff was in pods. Um, she was like, okay, so I have work to do. I can't go with you, but you're going to go to Shauna Dorsey's birthday party. And, oh my goodness, and, and I didn't know who Shauna was. And she also was like, and my friend Bofield Berry is going to pick you up, who I also didn't know. She really set you up to win that <laughs> evening, right. didn't she? So, but she also wasn't there, so everyone yeah. like talked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was really smart, smart as well. Which was super help. smart of her to like to send me to that and, and also to not go to it. Because, you know, when you go with your sister, then you don't really, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have talked to anybody. But I met I met Tessa that day, and I met some really great women. And um, Bofield, you know, like took me in, and a lot of people just were like, it, "It's." Uh, I think Shauna Dorsey is is her and Tessa Weed Burke are. If you want to meet people in Omaha, those those are the two women that you must get to know because yes. they know everyone. I think yes. about them and think connectors, connectors, and just like these big open hearts and like well loved women. So let's just state now that those two need to be on this podcast at some point. Yes. Tessa, Shauna, where are you at? Shauna. (laughs) I am curious, after that that event happened, how did you find yourself immersing more into our community? Did you continue to try to find events? Did you lean on Sophia for a while? Um, So I didn't, I I moved here without a job. I just took a leap and I didn't, I didn't have a job. So I immediately was interviewing for a lot of places. Um, Shauna connected me to a few people, uh, Melissa Worth at um, the Women's Center (laughs) and um, a couple of other people. And I, you know, I just started making connections. It is a lot, it is work, you know, but it's fun work. Um, So there was a lot of early networking that happened. Um, I worked um, I didn't work, but I um, helped out, volunteered with uh, Megan Hunt's campaign. I did some, like, signs, you know, like, mm-hmm. putting signs down everywhere, and um, that helped, you know. I think that, I think everyone just kind of just pulls you in, but Sophia had such a big network that, that people were, were were really happy to welcome me in. Yeah. It's such a lovely space to be in. Honestly, I mean, I wouldn't have met you without Leslie, and sometimes I think about how I met Leslie it was so... Ridiculous. I mean, just meeting in our friend Mark's kitchen before Maha Music Festival, and yeah. here we are now. It's always just yeah. so interesting, the first people that you'll meet and where that will take you. Right. I'm really happy it took you to being in front of us right now. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, I will tell you, the reason I, this has been on my mind a lot lately, um, I, the reason I moved to Omaha was, when, like, in job interviews, they ask you, you know, what, what brought you here? And I usually give that story of like, well, I wanted to be closer to my sister, and which I did. And um, our sons are the same age, and you know it's great. But um, really, if I'm being really honest, the story that I don't tell is that I was leaving a really terrible marriage, and um, a lot of like scary things had happened, and um, I really needed a new, fresh start, and I felt really isolated in Indianapolis, um, where I grew up. I grew up there, and my parents are there. But um, it became sort of just really a scary situation. And um, I picked up and left, and I left without a job here. I didn't have anything lined up, and um, it was maybe the most, the biggest leap a person can take is Mm -hmm. to just take their two kids and and move them to a whole mm-hmm. new city and not have a job. I would say and so. <laughs> yeah, but, was incredibly um, but brave. it was it was <laughs> exhilarating. It was it was such a like, it felt like wow. You know, like you can't you a person can just change something. 
you know, a person, of course, I had needed a lot of help doing it, you know, I mean, it's not like I, I needed financial help, I needed support, emotional support, all of that. Mm -hmm. But if you decide that you want to just, something clicks, and you're like, I want to change this part of my life. And I did, I changed it in a really big way. Sometimes you just have to give yourself permission to do these things. Because who else is? Yeah, and you know, I, I, I think of it in terms of like, if I had moved here to Omaha and it didn't work out, you can always move back, you know, or move to the next city or whatever. But it, it worked out so well. So I'm really happy here. Can you recall a couple fun stories about when you first got here to Omaha? Maybe some acts of kindness that still stand out to you today? Oh, um, any um, neighborhood events perhaps when you first found your home? Well, um, you know, I, I moved into my home um, sight unseen. I hadn't seen it at all. Um, <laughs> you are very trusting with this leap of faith. I need to do that well, more often. It, it was, it would have been too expensive to come out here just to like look for houses. Um, but my friend Megan Hunt, she went and saw the house for me, and she took all these like three hundred and sixty degree videos of every room, <laughs> and did this very Megan thing where she like you know she she looked at who the neighbors were and like what the street was like and. Um, that really, you know, it, it felt like I had seen it. Um, the peach. Yeah, so she, that made it really easy for me to be here. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, uh, people are kind, and they're all, they're all kinds of really nice people. Um, I got my first job because I interviewed for a position that um, they didn't hire me for, and mm-hmm. as soon as they didn't hire me, one of the women on the board, uh, Angie Remington, she called me and said, hey, uh, we didn't think you were the right fit for that position because, you know, it was all the reasons, right? I mean, they make sense. the reasons make sense. We didn't think you were right for that position, but I know of somebody else who is hiring. They haven't, you know, they haven't posted it yet, and um, I think you'd be perfect for it. Can I give him your resume? And that's how I got my job at TriFaith, and it, it was, it moved so quickly, and they took a leap of faith on me, and, you know, that was, if she hadn't done that, it wouldn't. You know, I don't know I think how long it would have taken. discussed this before, but it is really interesting how in certain fields it's kind of seen as a negative thing. It's a, you know who you know, you will connect with these people, they will get you to where you want to go, and that's seen as a negative thing. But I think in Omaha, it's, I mean, as you've seen, it's a blessing because it's a really unique position to be in to hear about a job that was such a great fit for you, mm-hmm. like your position at TriFaith. And to be able just to jump into it and be so thankful of, I don't know, that position. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your work with TriFaith? So um, TriFaith Initiative is um, this very unique, special um, organization. They are a, a mosque, a Jewish temple, and a Christian church that is on one property. It's three different buildings, but it's on one, pro- one property. And um, the TriFaith is a nonprofit which sort of... Um, coordinates the three of them and um, all, and also does outward facing um, and I, I guess I shouldn't speak for them right now but anymore <laughs> I used to be their um, communications director so I was their spokesperson but um, they they do outward um, outreach for you know building empathy between between people who are different mm-hmm. um, it's a really special wonderful organization and I, I was there for about just over a year and I loved it and um, you know the thing about Okay, so I have to say the thing about <laughs> nonprofits in Omaha is that, oh wow, this is such a special city for for nonprofits. Um, 
I lived in Indianapolis. I was I've been in the nonprofit field for probably what 15 years, a little over 15 years, and Omaha is unique in that everyone it's very it's a very tight knit um, community and people from very different types of nonprofits all know each other and all work together really well and socialize together and that means that you just have this like far better cohesive you know group of um organizations that that collaborate together and that's for us here it kind of just feels like it's that's just normal but it's definitely not you know i mean in in other cities um you know social justice orgs are not necessarily talking to arts orgs and are not necessarily and it's not just about talking i mean Mm -hmm. the employees at these organizations are friends with each other right friends with um i i'm working now in an arts community and but I still have friends in the social justice fields, and everyone is like that. So it really creates this amped up ability to do good. It is it's very unique. We're just getting off of Omaha Gives Week. How did that go for you guys? Can you tell us some of the nonprofit organizations you supported? How was Kaneko received? Okay, so um, Omaha Gives is... For anyone who doesn't know, is um, Omaha Community Foundation's Day of Giving. It's um, every year in May, and it's this time where like everyone, it just uh, you know, I think the philosophy behind it is that um, you give a little to a lot of organizations and show your love to them um, on that one day. It's not necessarily really about those giant you know big donor gifts, but it's about like those twenty five and ten dollar gifts. And that was really um, it, what I love about that day is that there is so much love to all kinds of different organizations um i supported um ivy black girl um and their founder is um ashley spivey look them up they're an amazing organization um and uh you know the arts organizations are really great in omaha too um amplify arts is doing great work um my i am the development director at Kaneko and we are really just i'm so proud of my team um we're we're taking um COVID, the quarantine situation really, I think, into new, you know, we're able to, my team, the team that I work with is really just taking that and and approaching it in a uniquely creative way. Um, We're closed right now, so um, we are hoping to see what we can do for the community to help them stay creative. One of those projects is called Tessellation, and um, Tessellation is a global um, mosaic of tiles that um, every you know anyone can create a tile and add to it, and it's become this huge mosaic that is going to be displayed inside the Kaneko. Um I think right now we have over a thousand pieces, and they're from all over the world. So not not just Omaha, and <laughs> and like major artists have you know participated, and kids have participated, and it's really helped. Like uh, my nephew. Um, my nephew who lives in Chicago. Um, he is ten years old, and he is a he does art that looks to me like um, very intricate um, comic art, comic book art. Um, he used the project to do like to like really um, explore all of his anxiety because he was having a lot of COVID anxiety um, around like you know the isolation and what's going to happen and the uncertainty. And um, he was doing these things where he was like. And I think that he's still doing it, but he understands it better now why he's doing it. But How old is he? He's 10. 10. Yeah, he's 10. So he was doing, like, he was 
checking the faucets a, a lot at night to make sure the faucets were closed, um, turning on and turning off the lights, a lot of that, that kind of anxiety um, happening to him. So, um, and it's, you know, he's still dealing with it, he's coping with it, but the project itself, he, he really helped him to like detail out every little feeling that he was having. And um, I think it's a, it's a really cool project. It's called Tessellation. Can't wait to see it, yeah. Leslie. I really think you need to submit something. Yes, please, Leslie. Love to see your work. Yeah, I, absolu I, so I absolutely will. I think this is really this is highlighting. I think what is so unique about Omaha that we have um, an organization that can that is starting this kind of grassroots project here, but then expanding it elsewhere. And I know that you have mentioned before, and especially getting into your work with. Kaneko and opening your eyes to an art scene and this scene in Omaha, um, the unique ability for this community to cultivate and um, recognize different artists. And I was wondering if you would just expand on some of what you have experienced here in that regard. Yeah, so I'm really new to the to the art world, right? I know I'm not an artist. Um, I write poetry, but I don't really... Um, I don't have any um, art experience. I'm actually, like, I didn't get the art gene. My middle <laughs> sister is an artist, and I am terrible at it. But, um, I, you know, Kaneko is really, um, they're about increasing, create, like, cr making, hmm, I have to start over. What, are the, what is Kaneko? <laughs> Fuck if I know. I love that. What is Kaneko? Let's just <laughs> dive into that. Because it's, you know, it's kind of this, it's, it's, and, it, 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 Museum, but it's it's also a, this huge open space for creativity. Um, it's an open space to let your mind go and and create new things, and part of that is um, giving a space to new artists, emerging artists, and um, that's one of the the really great things that I think we're doing. Um, you know, and not just artists that are exploring their um, their art, their craft, but um, artists who. We, we like to give people space to do completely new, bigger things than they've ever done before. So right now, um, Wadi White is doing um, woodcuts in his, in you know, in the Kaneko space. And he, you know, everyone knows what Wadi White does, <laughs> woodcuts, right? That No big deal. But these woodcuts are maybe the largest in the whole world. They're among the largest for sure, but they could possibly be the largest ever created. Is this the Maha scene that he did yes. of the front mm -hmm. gate? Yeah. I really love that piece. Yeah, and we're like we're all in there somewhere, right. like in that whole. Oh, right, that was Lizzo. It's Lizzo's we were concert. all we were there. there. <laughs> <laughs> right, we That's were there. Like, we pick first yourself met. out. That's again, when Leslie and I first had our night together, and again, oh, wow. you guys have you you guys just met at at, at that. Oh, yeah, just, like, just last August. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're almost coming up on our first anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> look, wow, y'all have really done a lot of things since then. I find us to be very fortunate. Yeah, and again, another way that Omaha really just cherishes, cherishes its community, right? Speaking of, like, women leading, you know, we keep hearing, like, how these women that are leading right now, um, you know, mm -hmm. during the, the coronavirus, during the quarantine, they're all doing such, such an excellent job, and they are, you know, um, Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, Jacinda, is that her name? Yeah. And um, we keep hearing about um, Michigan's governor, um, Gretchen Whitmore. Yeah, that's her <laughs> name. Fact check. That's, that's her name. Um, doing, like, really leading. But he, I, I, I think about 
these women who are doing such great work right now and leading with courage and leading with um, foresight, really. Mm-hmm. And they're not any different than all of the women I know. They're not extraordinary. You know, they're not, they're not, the Prime Minister of New Zealand is not an extraordinary woman. She is just like us. <gasps> and I, f- like, I find it both humbling and also, like, it strikes awe in me that, like, the women who I am friends with or that I work with would lead in exactly the same way or, you know, in, in as good a way as these women are. And it says a lot about us that we can do, we can do anything. You know, that's cheesy, right? That's like really no, but fucking that's, bullshit. But, it but it's cheesy but it's true. because it's true. Like we are we're fucking great. We just go off into this whole banter of like, girl support girls, rah, rah. But no, sincerely, it's so interesting because when Leslie and I were sitting down and trying to find the first guest to our podcast, we just kept stacking and this list is yeah. very bulky yeah. right now. Yeah, there and are some great women here. It's wild how far that all the positions they fill have spanned, uh, what, just what they do in their everyday lives is just so different. And the effect they have on our community is huge yeah. and yet we don't see them and on our we friendships like on them. a personal level like oh, oh my god i just i feel so like, fortunate to have both of you <laughs> it's just you know yeah 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 <laughs> Good morning. the depth of of the lives that all of our friends lead right the multi-facets it feels good to be proud of a huge group of women in your life it just oh, feels yeah. good yes absolutely um, yeah, shall we talk about your poetry? I would love Do you to want talk to talk about, about your poetry? poetry? Sure, okay. So, <laughs> hmm, my poetry. Um, you know, I used to post all of my post poetry on Instagram, and it kind of was this like very emo, like it felt very strange. But, you know, I. I uh, the way the way I end up writing a poem is that um, I'll have a thought that kind of just like. Um, clicks in my brain or doesn't click but it like itches my brain you know and that one little phrase or an idea that just kind of keeps gnawing at me and throughout the day I'll build on it and build on it and build on it and there are a lot of nights where I can't fall asleep until I get the whole thing out and um my poems are pretty they're not very long they're they're you know pretty fairly short they they fit on one one tile of an Instagram. They do. I um, think back to my favorite poem of yours. I believe it was four men that you were just talking about in this poem, and you used their names in it. <laughs> and I remember it was right when I met you, and I just found that to be just such a striking thing. Uh-huh. Because I was like, oh, cool, I just met Rusa. Let me go through her Instagram. Oh, my God. She just called all these people out without <laughs> any shame. Oh, I loved it. And it was still a beautiful poem. Even if I had no idea who those men were, yeah. I was like, stick it to them. I hope <laughs> they read this. I don't know. I don't know how good you felt, but I felt good just oh, reading it. it. So I would love if you'd be able to start I'm, bringing your I'm poems I'm pretty sure again. that I, I did not. It's possible that it was all just one man. <laughs> and I just gave it a lot of different names. <laughs> Several names for one man. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie's just giving her a shifty look. I love this. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's it just that, you know, once it gets out and it's I post it and then as soon as it's posted and then I can fall asleep and just like 
it's more like therapy for me, I think. And I think it's a, a lot of um, feeling this like need to express that one idea that started off as just this tiny little seed and it grew into something bigger. And um, I don't know, you just like, uh, Leslie, you're an artist, you know, you, I, I'm sure you feel that way about painting that there is this need to get that thing out of you and out there. Definitely. And, that's how that's how that the poetry is for me. It's it's not like I'm like oh what should I write today? No, it's always like oh fuck I have to write this thing now. <laughs> I have Great. to get, <laughs> I have to get this out. And a lot of times in the mor and I post them real late at night because I can't sleep. Oh, which I love. And I, in the morning oh. I'll get a I'll get texts. You know like why'd you have to write this? Like <laughs> this is not fun. This is a really sad terrible poem. And I'm like well yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that is life. That's what's swirling yeah. in my mind. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Also, thank you for yeah. posting that. I love those pieces of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I, I find that, mm, I feel like my greatest contribution to when I post something on Instagram is when I actually have a moment of vulnerability. I get so many people who will comment back, even just a nice thing, but so many people who are just happy that I said something about it. Yeah. And yeah. find comfort in just say, knowing. They see themselves in it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, because I find comfort in that when I look up to a certain artist or I have a friend like yourself who posts these very vulnerable things and yeah. it's, it just, I feel like it just evens us all out. Yeah. The ego is something that I have a very difficult time with and I find that that's something that always helps me is just letting it out, even if it's on a public public platform. Well, my my Instagram, my Instagram is private. <gasps> oh, I guess so, I can follow. So that's what it, that's it. why I tell myself it's okay that only like twelve people like to poem. because <laughs> <laughs> you know only like three people actually read it, so that's okay. But um, <laughs> you know, I I am getting really serious about submitting to um, to magazines and to literature uh, lit magazines. So I have had one poem published, and then I kind of got like, oh, this is great. And then I stopped, you know, I, I started working really hard and stopped stopped submitting. But um, I'm going to get serious about that again and, and submit to a lot of other. But everything I write is very dark, and I'm not sure. It's, a, it's got a kind of a niche audience of people who love to hear about, like, chest bones being cracked open and the whirring of, like, surgical saws <laughs> and, like, blood being drained out of my body. Um, you know, it's kind of a niche audience. It's okay. That helps me feel something, so I thank you for that. Believe me. I'll take that as a break any day. Um, so speaking of things being published, did you also have a recipe published somewhere? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What was happening? Okay, fine. Um. <laughs> yeah, we pushed you so hard on this. Okay. <laughs> you know, the good thing about having a recipe published in Oprah Magazine... Oh, wait, what? The good thing about it is that people will make your recipe and like post about it and talk about it and tell you about it. When you get a po poem published anywhere, no one fucking reads it. <laughs> no one, no one tells you, "Hey, I read your poem. It was great. I'm gonna post it here." No, but with a recipe, people actually are like, "Oh yeah, this is lovely. I could do this. I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna tell everyone how great it is." So I, yeah, I made some baba ganoush and. Oof. Oprah loved it. How did she find it? Was it Oprah herself? No, okay. It's not It's not Oprah. It probably it's is not. never Oprah herself. Well, right? but you want to hope, right? It's a team. 
like to think that she's out there somewhere with she's a bunch all, of colorful post-it notes, through. just wildly <laughs> connecting dots for every issue. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe next she'll like one of my poems. And that's what we need to do. We need to make your beautiful rice and lentil dish and your baba yeah. ganoush. Are you kidding me? Yeah, let's do that. Let's have a whole Zoom hour I'm of hungry. us just making food. I know. I'm hungry. <laughs> Is it the bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some more? <laughs> Go for it, girl. It is your birthday. You can do whatever you want. I can do anything I want. Which I love. So, Rusa, do you have a poem that you can share with us? Uh, I can read one. Fantastic. Um, this is called Los Angeles in 95. During the day, I listened to the same Bollywood mixtape and washed dishes from the night before. I vacuum the already clean carpet, sit on the blue secondhand sofa. There's a TV, but no cable. I walk to Foothill to buy bread. I miss my baby brother and the tall boy in ecology lecture. He was working up to saying hi, I think. I make soup for dinner and disappoint you. And you go to sleep early. I take the keys and drive, drive the 10. The night, deaf and dark, and studded with yellow stars, up and down the hills from La Brea to Glendale through Pomona, the continuous one after another sprawl, way past Redlands. Inside the homes, there are people sleeping and fucking and fighting, each porch light and street light piercing my soul. I am bled out and alone. The city rejects me. I want to leave you and come home. Wow. I just want to embrace you so badly wow. right now. COVID can fuck itself. So many. <laughs> I love months. you and admire you deeply. Dang. You. <laughs> you are brilliant. Thanks. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Wow. Like, so can goodness. I don't know how to pivot from that other than to talk about other art. Yes. Um, and your your connection to yeah. this scene so, through Kaneko. You know, um, uh, I said before that I'm really pretty new to um, art and the art scene here in Omaha, but um, Kaneko, I feel, is really um, giving spotlight to a lot of people who um, are up-and-coming artists. Um, we just had a show that um, Andrew Aleman um, put on and um, curated by Ange Bennett, and um, it was called Unapologetic Me, and um, we they screened the... Um, there's a film called Unapologetic Me, which is about the intersection of being black and gay. And so they screened that um, movie and they um, you know, had um, the directors come in and talk about that experience. And um, there was also an art show that was curated and um, it was um, just incredible and loud and so vulnerable. And um, one, of, one of the most really raw art that I've seen, and it's um, incredible to see that. Um, I would, you know, I would recommend that if anybody would wants to know some good, um, really cool new artists, look up Ange Bennett. They are, um, they're just, um, you know, um, I, I can't, I don't, I, I, you have to see the art to, to know it, but it's to, to experience it. But it's somebody said, I, I read a quote the other day, um, you have to stand in front of a piece of art to feel what it's going to do to you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's that's really true of a lot of art. Um, and at the other, on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, Kaneko has um, 
you know, a lot of June Kaneko's work is just really overlooked. I mean, I know it's everywhere in Omaha, but the fact that there are the three biggest um, kilns, non-industrial kilns, in the whole world are just on Leavenworth Street, just sitting there. And right, you never know. You these just pass by that building every day. Just, I mean, you, I never knew. And when no. I walked in, and they're like, you know, just huge, monstrous, like just huge kilns and the the work that's being um behind the curtain being built and how much it takes to you don't just you know you don't just decide one day i'm going to make the biggest ceramic sculpture in the world you don't you can't do that you have to no. you don't even have the the equipment to do it so you have to first build the equipment and right the team you need to get people team. behind yeah. your idea and then you so and then you go through the process and you've built this kiln and then you realize you need actually need a bigger kiln and then you start to make these giant pieces and they break <laughs> and it's like hundreds of hours of work or you know the the fire doesn't you know it, it does something weird to the to the paint and the chemicals are off but so it takes like yeah, you s when you see his work out in Omaha, you don't realize how many thousands of hours of work is behind each one, and I'm just in awe of of that, and you know how huge it is, and it's just quietly behind Omaha, you know, behind the curtain in Omaha, and just just there. And um, we do give tours though, so you know, when when things are back open. Um, I encourage people to, to seek that out. and Oh, cool. Yeah. To tour the kiln? Mm -hmm. what? Oh, my gosh. That's an option. The studios, yeah. Oh, we're going. Um, can we also, can you also talk about the team that is June and Ray? Oh, my and Ray, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and, and June. Wow. So, Rika is, oh, um, it's hard to talk about somebody you admire so much. She is, um, she is behind so so much of what we see in old market. Um, she's she started the Bemis. She started um, the Kaneko. She um, is this powerhouse um, and a champion for arts and champion for um, everything historical in Omaha. Um, old market would have been torn down if it were not for Re. Um, so I, I'm just in, you know like I he's, couldn't he's, imagine. And and June is is I I don't I don't know them really well, but. You know, like what I see of of them, June is a very um, intuitive, sensitive artist, right? He's he's an artist, mm -hmm. and um, he works in this like very um, if if you know like cloud like manner, right? Like you don't really know what he's up he's about. And then there's Re, who is just like so, and she's an artist too, but she is just this powerhouse and gets things done and. Um, the face of Omaha would look different without her. Do you have a favorite piece that's part of his permanent collection that you would recommend we go seek out in the museum when it opens back up again? Um, so we, right now we don't have a, a lot of his work uh, displayed in, in the Kaneko. Right now we are, um, Thurman Statham's work is, is, is uh, he's building some huge pieces that, and he's working in mediums that he hasn't worked in before. So those are what's going to be um, in on display exhibited um, when we open back up. And, and Thurman's work is also just really cool. It's very interesting and neat, and it's some of my favorite work too. Um, you know, it looks a lot like these very giant glass playhouses and, um, 
every little window has a has a different like historic little thing in it and it it's really cool work yeah and is he's a local artist he he? is also yeah Thurman Statham is a local artist fantastic you have so many things to go do do you guys have a projected opening date yet or no no. we don't we're gonna really like look to others and and you know look to our um our health officials and and see but we do have the uh, we do have the added benefit of being a very large space so um when things do open up we are we will be able to let people social distance within even if you know if even if everything is back to normal we we have that ability to let people come in and it's spaced out. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to highlight about Omaha or what Omaha has to offer, especially for anyone moving here or thinking about moving here? Um, Quick advice for transplants. Really great. Like, uh, the reason I, one of the big reasons I moved here was because of the music. Um, there's great music and a lot of the smaller indie bands that I love come through Omaha that don't go through other, they bypass Indianapolis or they'll bypass other cities and they'll come here through here. I'm not sure why, but we get lucky like that. Our night with Chelsea Jade is one to remember. Just like Smith and Chelsea Chelsea Jade. Jade. Oh, (laughs) do you you remember I was like, Chelsea Jade was on and I was like, I turned to Leslie and I was like, Leslie, I think I fell in love. I'm in love with her. (laughs) I'm in love right now. And then, and then I don't blame Smith, you. And then your Smith came on. I'm like, oh, double love. Oh, what do I do? I with fell this? in love twice. <laughs> twice in one night. Was not expecting yeah. it. Fully involved. Yeah. Very invested. I'm still in love. Both of them. Oh, I would be too. That's Chelsea Jade's music. Is some of like it's our hype so music. <laughs> fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> and your Smith's cover of Martha Wainwright's. Oh, bloody, bloody motherfucking, motherfucking asshole. asshole. It's, I mean, we sing that into spoons like it's no one's business at 3 a.m. So, Except for our neighbors who probably wish we weren't singing into spoons at 3 a.m. <laughs> we do that weekly. Yeah. So Chelsea Jade has that song. Um, uh, um, what is it? The My Best... Uh, Shit, I can't remember right now. But <laughs> Oliver and I sing it like whenever he's got a test or like he's got something on the way to school, we'll sing it. It's like... I forget it. Never mind. <laughs> Fuck this. I don't remember. I don't know anything. You can cut that. It's okay. Don't worry. Um, I guess to wrap things up here, but we're curious. What do you do to raise up other women around you? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Did you say owl? I said, oh, wow. Oh. Uh, owl. <laughs> no, wow. Um, Carly, I don't, you know, like, I don't, I don't think that I ever have needed to raise up the women around me because first of all I just I love I love women I, we're we're awesome we're really I'm sorry men women are awesome <laughs> <laughs> but um I don't I don't think that I've I've had to lift up the women around me I think that they lift me up and they we are you know we're we're right there eye to eye and um that's what's what I think that is what is supporting other women is about is that we're at each other's eye level and we see each other for you know for what's unique about you and what your strengths are and what my strengths are and we we cover each other right Mm -hmm. so I'm not you know there's I'm a little hot-headed and I get mad real easily and and Leslie's (laughs) you know (laughs) Leslie sends Leslie sends me these wonderful Marco Polo videos and I watch them like 20 times a day and she makes me less dark she makes me like I mean she's a vibrant 
funky redhead. It's yeah. hard to be dark around that yeah. woman. Yeah. As she oh. sits right next to me, bright red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Red's a power color. That so I, th- I think that we know we know each other's like, you know, um, differences, and we we accommodate for each other. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I really respect that answer. I love it. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Um, and then one more question about do you feel like you have that like or could you describe um the differences between your public and private persona or do you have a difference oh. or what do you feel? <laughs> so i am really fucking out there um everything about me is really not private i don't even except for your instagram i mean okay <laughs> you know the instagram is private which do you want to share your instagram it's, it's at Arusa, U-R-O-O-S-A, and, you know, try to, fo- I don't know, see if try I'll... Try to follow see. me. <laughs> try <laughs> to follow me. Try to find me. <laughs> Maybe I'll let you. <laughs> but I, I'm, like, I, I often get told, hey, you know, like, my, my younger sister, who is amazing and who I respect so much, will often text me and be like, hey, that post, could you maybe take it, like, could you, are you sure you want to say that out loud? And I'm like, yeah, fucking, I want to say that. I like, love that about you. I, I'm not a private person. I say everything that comes to my mind, and that might not be a great idea, especially in the nonprofit world or whatever. But I think that I, I have to lead by example that we, we, we are already too silenced, mm-hmm. and I gotta say what I gotta say. And if it fucking pisses people off, or I if love it rubs when you people, rile people up on Facebook, Ooh. <laughs> when I sit down for lunch and between my work days at home. Love going on to Facebook and seeing what you're up to. Yeah. It's always something that just irks someone in the right way. I'm sure it does, <laughs> but it's got you know. I got to say what I got to say. I, I, I need to it. say. I need to say what's on my mind. Yeah. And um, I don't. I don't believe in silencing anyone, or especially myself. And if somebody else who's younger than me sees that and can be like, okay, you know, she can do that. That means that I have the permission to do it too. Then that's what I want. I wish I could snap my fingers and make it have the same effect, but. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for putting that out there. I, I often talk about you and use you as an example of a, a, a very strong and opinionated and, and brilliant woman who is unafraid I mean, to be who, but who they are. <laughs> Give yourself some thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Shoot, this was really lovely. And oh my gosh, we did it, guys. Congratulations episode. on the first episode. <laughs> Where's that thank bell? You. I want to ring it. Yeah, there we go. Look. <laughs> yes, this is what I wanted. But no, sincerely, thank you so much for being here and for putting yourself out there like this. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to What's Her Face. We are a figure podcast produced by Joshua LeBure. Find us on Instagram at What's Her Face Podcast or visit figurepodcast.com for our other shows.